This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, we're going to go on a different path uh, today because I know a lot of times there's a lot of my listeners who are just graduating from college, just graduated from high school and stuff like that. And even with everything going on, Startup Nation, we still need to think about uh, lifetime, I mean, long-term financial goals, financial planning and stuff like that, which is why we have a fantastic guest for you today for sure. He is a certified financial planner with nearly 30 years of experience. He is the founder and president of Intentional Wealth Advisors, LLC. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And he is also the author of Now What? A Practical Guide to Figuring Out Your Financial Future. He is Brian Urso. Mr. B, how's it going, my man? It's going great, Dominic. I love your style. Thanks for having me on. No worries. No worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? I can't wait. Gotcha. Gotcha. I hear that. First of all, am I saying your last name correctly? I want to make sure because I, I, I don't want to you know, be disrespectful or anything like that. Um, You'd have to say a lot worse than that to be disrespectful, <laughs> but it's Ursu. 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 U-R-S-U. Yeah. It is Brian Ursu, Startup Nation. Brian Ursu. All right, Brian, so if you would, please, sir, just kind of share with us your origin story and your background a little bit. Um, so my background was I grew up in northern Michigan and um, always had an appreciation for um, being an entrepreneur and um, having my own business and really didn't know what that business was going to be until I got out of college mm. and was drawn into uh, finance. My dad was a was an entrepreneur. He was a dentist. Right. And uh, I made the decision in the fifth grade that I didn't want to spend my uh, life in my hand with my hands in somebody else's mouth. So mm. I knew it had to be something different. Gotcha. Um, money is relatively clean. And so um, it seemed like a natural fit for me and went through training um, to become a financial advisor, went through the um, College for Financial Planning Certified Financial Planner Program and um, just been plugging away at it for 31 years and um, got to the point now where I have the business that I had always dreamed I would have, which is a high-level service for our clients and focus on education and really an intentional approach to uh, investing. 
Gotcha. And I think that part about education is super important because when we talk about, you know, financial planning and and investing and stuff like that, a lot of people, let's be honest, we try to like, you know, I'll think about that later. You know what I mean? And so I, I wanted to have you on the show because I think it's important to start having those conversations, uh, you know, with your with your spouse, you know, with, uh, you know, when you start thinking about kids and stuff like that and all of the you know other things that come along with life and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Now, you mentioned that your dad was a dentist. I saw that in the book. Uh, kind of talk about your dad a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, he's really an inspiration to me in terms of um, creating a work ethic mm. and serving people. So I remember, you know, growing up, we could have a day planned going for the beach and then um, an emergency uh, came in. And, and so he'd have to rush into the office and help somebody. And so that, that work ethic and serving others um, was kind of instilled uh, through watching him. And so you know, we don't have financial emergencies like that. We have to come in on the weekend, but um, just going through this, this uh, market turmoil is an emergency in its own way. And so we want to really be there to serve our clients. Gotcha. Well, you know what? I want to ask a quick follow-up because you mentioned that, you know, obviously we're dealing with this, this global pandemic and, and COVID-19. And, and like you said, you, I imagine you are getting those phone calls uh, with clients, that, you know, even if it's just to reassure about certain things or to, you know, uh, pivot in certain ways. Obviously, you can't tell me who they are and what you talked about, but just kind of give me a general sense of like those type of conversations you are having with your clients, if you don't mind, Brian. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it, Dominic. And, and um, we do a, a pretty good job of educating and, and um, preparing them for this. So, you know, and I'm, this is not a brag or anything, but during the worst of the downturn, I think I can count on one hand the number of phone calls we got coming in with people that were worried. Mm-hmm. And that's a credit to their understanding of this right. um, in, in context and our strategy. Right. Uh, but we were making proactive calls uh, going out there and, and making sure we were ahead of, ahead of the news and, and uh, reassuring people. Absolutely. So I, I wrote a blog um, during the midst of it that this is not my first rodeo, but I'm really tired of rodeos. Gotcha. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, and, and I guess that kind of leads to uh, the book. And once again, Startup Nation, the book is now what? A Practical Guide to Figuring Out Your Financial Future. And if you want to purchase that book, Startup Nation, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And if you listen on radio, you can get that wherever you get your uh, your favorite books from for sure. And when you read the book, Startup Nation, it really does have like a very educational piece in the sense of like giving you not only what you need to know, but some of the, the foundations and the fundamentals uh, when it comes to financial planning and stuff like that. You know, Brian, you know, you talk about the book about having a conversation with your daughter. She, you know, gets this job in Silicon Valley and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, that's that's kind of where the start of you wanting to write this book kind of starts, doesn't it? It really does. And you know, it was, it was an aha moment for me as, you know, a practitioner for, for 30 years that my own kids weren't financially prepared for what they were going to face. And Mm -hmm. I felt like, um, a a little bit of guilt, not, not, not a little bit, a lot of guilt that I hadn't prepared them. I'd prepared all my clients, but I hadn't prepared my kids. And so, you know, if I got hit by a bus, everything that I've learned, um, would go with me. And so, thinking of them was the inspiration for the book. And I knew I needed to make it not academic, but something that was empowering 
and um, the pacing would be such that it would pull even a non-financial person into it and make it accessible because this really is a practical guide to figuring out your financial future. And so, you know, your listeners or anybody that reads the book are going to get the benefit of kind of my my love letter in a way to my own kids and everything I think that they need to know to put themselves in scoring position um, later in life to not, not necessarily to be to be rich by any means, but to to avoid problems, um, to set yourself up to where you can, you know, live your best life. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. You know, Brian, a a lot of questions, you know, one of the questions we hear a lot of times when it comes to financial planning is is deciding whether you should go with an advisor or, you know, kind of go at it alone. So, I mean, obviously, I think think I know where you're going to kind of land on this spectrum. But what are some of those pros and cons either way, if you don't mind me asking? On each side, by the way. Yeah, it's a great question. And and I don't know that I'm going to answer it the way that you expect. Okay. Um, I I don't think that um, finance is rocket science. Okay. And um, it used to be, back in the 60s and the 70s, financial advisors had knowledge and information that the rest of the world couldn't have access to, right? Right. They had reports and they had research. And now all of that is available for people um, to to do on their own. So um, I think that a person that that is interested and is willing to spend the time educating themselves, they could absolutely do it on their own. Um, I could do my own taxes as a certified financial planner. I had to prepare a very complicated, um, tax preparation for, uh, um, my final exam. Um, but I hire a CPA because the CPA, um, is up on tax rules. He's the one that's going to represent me if I'm ever audited. And, um, the money that I would save by doing on my own, I don't, I don't think it's worth the peace of mind that I have knowing that, that this person is going to do it for me. So I think that an advisor adds a lot of value. And in fact, Vanguard, um, of all companies did a, a, a white paper report where they say working with a professional advisor can add up to three percentage points in uh, mm-hmm. return. And <clears throat> when you break that down further, some of that is on security selection, some is on asset allocation, but the biggest driver was on um, behavioral finance and helping clients avoid um, mistakes, such as selling out in the midst of the you know, sell off that uh, we saw based on this pandemic right. um, and and make make sure you have a strategy and stick with it. Startup Nation, when you read the book, there's, you know, not only is it a great read, it's, it's full of anecdotes and stories and stuff like that, but I love how it has like, you know, review points uh, at each uh, end of the chapter. Was that uh, by design? Is that was that something that was important to you to have in the book, Brian? <laughs> it was to me because I know some people like to skim through it. Well, this chapter is, you know, about socially responsible investing. I really don't, that's not interesting to me, but I want to hit the bullet points and and get the gist of it. Um, I'm not suggesting that you could get, you know, everything you need out of it by reading the the review points. Of course. Um, but it is kind of a, a reinforcement of the primary messages of that, of each of those chapters. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Now I know a big thing that people are kind of wanting to do is like retire early, right? You know, uh, the whole, the fire method, uh, if you will. Right. And yeah. so, uh, but you say that there are, uh, some things to consider, 
when doing that. One of the things you said that you you should retire to something, not from something. Kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, and this this is coming hopefully through um, the experience that I have has has brought me wisdom. And when I first started out, I was all focused about fire. Before fire was invented, I thought this is what I want to do. And I did the math and I figured out where I need to be um, to, to retire. And the more that I I worked towards that, the more I saw that as, as a less satisfying goal, very self-focused. And um, so the fire movement, I you know, I think it can be right for some people, um, but you have to have something to retire to 100% leisure right. is going to be awesome for a period of time. Right. And then after a little while, even leisure becomes boring and, um, and you need to have something that's going to be productive. It's kind of inherent in who we are as, as human beings. And so the risk would be, let's say you retire early, you're 45 years old, you're retired, you know, your kids are maybe in junior high or high school. Um, and, and then what do you do with your time? You've right. got, you know, another 40 years. What's going to bring you value? What's going to motivate you to get up in the morning? And then if, if you find out, you know, 10 years of this was not, not all that is cracked up to be, you're 55, and now you're trying to go back into the workforce. Well, where's your skill set? You're 10 years behind in terms of um, skills that the, the world will need. And so, um, I don't know, you got to think long and hard about it. And now, you know, as I'm, you know, older, Right. I find so much value in what it is that I do um, in serving other people and working with people that that drives me. It motivates me and it's less like work than it was, you know, grinding it out 20 years ago. Thank you for sharing that. You know, one of the things that I find uh, interesting is how when uh, you see like professional athletes, right? Like recently we had uh, Patrick Mahomes sign like a a 10-year, $400, $500 million deal. And then Mookie Betts, if you follow baseball, uh, he signed a 10-year, $365 million deal. We see athletes all the time where they just come into like this explosion of wealth, almost almost overnight a lot of times, right? But a lot of times we see them, uh, Brian, where like a few years down the road where they're not doing so well financially. And one of the big questions we always see uh, on social media, where the case may be like, how in the world does that happen? So, Brian, how in the world does that happen? That's a great question. And it's kind of the same thing with um, lottery winners. Absolutely, you go back yeah. five years after they win the lottery and <clears throat> they're not in any better financial shape than they were before. Right. Um, and I think it's really uh, it's it's human behavior um, and and human behavior, you know, we're motivated when it comes to money through uh, both fear and greed. Mm. And um, neither of those are really great motivators for making good financial decisions. And so I, I think that that's, that's part of the problem and why I think behavioral economics is so interesting that I, you know, I put a chapter in there and, and I, I think it's fascinating how we make decisions um, with our money. As it relates to, you know, world-class athletes, I think often they feel like I've got these people that are going to do that for me mm. and they don't have a basic understanding of finance. Right. And so what they wouldn't know if they're being taken um, or if this investment proposition that they're being pitched is if it doesn't pass the smell test, um, they're trusting on, on those people that are helping them make decisions. And I think you need to have a certain basic level 
of understanding and, and, and hopefully did that in the first four chapters of the book. Just to, these are the ground rules that everybody should know, period. Um, and if you can understand those, you're going to avoid so many mistakes. And, and so often um, being successful financially is about avoiding mistakes, not necessarily some great insight that you get into markets or investments or you know opportunities. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, one of the things that you share uh, in the first four uh, uh, chapters of the book is like, you know, in relation to debt and debt management and stuff like that. Right. But going back really quickly to the uh, the the big time athletes and the lottery winners and stuff like that. And you said that is very important to uh, have uh, like a basic level of understanding, which it, it seems to suggest that like, it's very important. And you kind of talked about this with your, with your kids and your daughter and stuff like that, that a lot of times when we, if we amass this great wealth, a lot of times it's not just important just to maybe pass that down the wealth itself, but also pass down the information of uh, getting that wealth and receiving that wealth and maintaining that, that wealth as well. Wouldn't you agree? I, I'd agree a hundred percent. And, and I, I can cross it off my list with this book because right. I feel yeah, like absolutely. I, I did that. And towards the end, um, we, we talk about legacy and, and, um, and all of that. And there, there's a portion in there where I talk about an ethical will, which is not, you know, it's a written will, but it's not who gets my stuff. Right. It's more about what's important, what values, uh, your kids or grandkids may know what you think is important, but this is giving them the insight as to why this was important to you, why you believe the things that you believe and why you hold dear to the things that you hold dear. Um, and that's a written, written way to record that. And it's actually ancient. I mean, it's thousands of years old, that ethical will. Right. You know, let me ask you this because, you know, Let's say I'm I'm 26 years old. I just graduated from business school, got my MBA and stuff like that. And now I'm going to go take this high power job. I'm getting about, you know, about $80,000 a year starting base salary and stuff like that. As far as my financial planning goes, what should I do in the first 90 days? I, I'm, I, I would hope that you would make sure you're educated and you understand the basics of finance. But gotcha. I'm presuming that this person may have some student loans right and um with this income they have some discretionary income and so i give permission in the book and to the reader to hey you know what you landed your first job that's awesome go spend some money on you right. because you you accomplished something really big right. to deny that and say well i'm going to focus on my student loans and and i'll get to that later i think it's denying something that's really really important so i give you permission whether that's to go you know buy a whatever it is, a right. vacation or whatever it might right. be, go do that. But then get busy with getting serious about this money. Because if you're making 80000 and you're going to be working for 40 years and you never get another raise, you know, that's over $3 million that's going to pass through your hands. On the other end of this, what are you going to have to show for it? And so um, getting serious about that, um, too often we see people either focus on um, paying down their debt or adding to their lifestyle, that investing takes a back seat. Mm. And I think that you need to do a little bit of everything, pay down the debt and invest at the same time or put money away into savings um, at the same time. The emergency fund is a, is a great example. Um, this global pandemic, I would have never thought that you need an emergency fund to get through a global pandemic, but right. here we are. Right. Those people that have that savings 
didn't have to go into debt just to pay the bills. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And you, you talked about, you know, I- investing and stuff like that. Uh, you know, how do you go about advising somebody who's trying to do that for the first time? Because, look, you know, you, you, you have websites like Investopedia and you have uh, 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 networks like Bloomberg and CNBC and stuff like that. But if I put it on one of those networks, all I'm seeing is like numbers all over the place, like this scrolling strobe of numbers at the bottom of the screen. It just all looks confusing. Like what are some of those first steps uh, should we take when it comes to investing? It's a great question. And, and um, CNBC and Bloomberg, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and to tell you that they're not there to help you. Okay. make sound financial decisions and, and help you um, build wealth. Okay. They're there to, to me, it's, I would call it financial pornography. It's there gotcha. to entertain you, um, but not there to help you. You know, it and, does kind uh, of with, feel like I'll the do ESPN risk. of uh, investing a little bit. So I agree with you. It, it, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, but you can you get fished in. You can get fished in on, a, on an interview and feel like you know everything there is about enterprise software, and now you you can make your investment. Right. Um, I don't think that that's that's smart. And so for someone that's just starting out and they already have their emergency fund, I think it's really simple. And you start with um, broadly diversified mutual funds. It's not sexy. It's not cocktail conversation to tell your friends at a party how you invested in this diversified portfolio of the best companies of the country. Um, It's not as fun as saying, well, yeah, I bought Tesla when it was, you know, you know, when it IPO'd. Well, that's, that's really cool, but um, very few people did that. And so building wealth, um, you know, in fact, one of the the books that I used to use, and it's kind of tongue in cheek, Mm-hmm. is that that fable of the tortoise and the hare mm-hmm. um slow and steady wins the race right. and so it's it's pretty boring um but building wealth slowly is lasting wealth and uh, you're you're less likely to vary from your strategy if you do that. All right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexo series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, feel your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. 
This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Startup Nation, Swanson Health has been producing quality vitamins and supplements, foods, healthy home, and self-care products for over 50 years. Since 1969, from the heart of America, Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. Pick up all of your favorite health products, plus discover new ones for your wellness routine, all while leaving money in your pocket. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code STARTUP20 for 20% off at swanson.com. We have a link there in the show notes if you listen to the replay. This episode of The Startup Life is powered by Colony Spark. Startup Nation, with our economy in flux, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. If there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them, it's now. And that's why you have a friend in Colony Spark. Colony Spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business. They have helped companies across many industries with lead generation, revenue growth, and more to put them on the path to success. My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. And I didn't mean to cut you off, but it does feel like that a lot of times where it's kind of like, you know, they're highlighting uh, today's movement and stuff like that. You know, sometimes there's highlights and stuff like that. So honestly, it really does remind me of like ESPN a little bit for sure. But Startup Nation, you can get a lot of this uh, this this uh, funda- f- uh, fundamental foundational information in Brian's book. Now what? A practical guide to figuring out your financial future. Once again, Startup Nation, if you listen to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access. You know, you you, t- you talk about debt. We hear about debt and stuff like that. We hear about good debt, bad debt. You should buy a house. You shouldn't buy a house. Kind of what's your commentary on good debt, bad debt when you're, you know, one of those people who are just graduating college, just graduating high school and trying to figure out all this stuff? Because I swear at 18 years old, a lot gets thrown at you at once, doesn't it? It sure does. And and one of the things that gets thrown at you when you're 18 are credit card offers. Oh, um, yeah. And that is that is bad debt. Right. So I will go out on a limb again and tell you that credit cards are not there to help you. They're there to entice you and get you hooked onto a lifestyle that that um, will bury you at some point. Gotcha. And so um, good debt is, you know, buying a house, you know, presuming you've done your research and you know it's a good house in a neighborhood you want to be, you're building equity by borrowing money to do that. Um, buying um, lifestyle things, either through credit card or, or through a, a loan, a consumer loan, um, is probably not going to help you lo- in the long run. It may make you feel good for a little while, um, but it's not going to help you in the long run. And, and we see, you know, there's a budget sheet on the book's website. Um, and, and in the very first chapter or so, we talk about don't spend more than you make. Right. Find out what your income is, figure out your fixed and variable expenses, and people will breach that rule using credit cards or using debt to support 
um, expenditures that, that they can't um, otherwise pay for. And then they use um, credit cards with points or rewards to rationalize and justify bad behavior. So it's dangerous. That's bad debt. And it's going to get you into trouble. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, I will admit I was one of those 18, 19 year olds who took the free sandwich with the credit card application uh, for sure. I don't even know if they do that uh, anymore, but I definitely remember that. Uh, being on college. Uh, and Dominic, I'm right there with you. I mean, er- <laughs> everything that I've learned, you know, I try to make a mistake only one time. Right. Of, of um, but getting, you know, getting a lot of credit card debt and then paying the minimum balance and wondering why it's not going down. So I'm not, I'm not preaching anything that, that I haven't already done and, and done it badly. Right. Um, and, and learn from my mistakes and, uh, and avoid that at all costs. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And you also talk about in the book, you know, uh, before we kind of transition, you also talk about that, uh, in the book about paying yourself first, you know, it was like, and I think a lot of times people have a hard time with that because like, Oh, but what about my bills? What about this? What about that? So kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind, Brian. Well, and I, I think especially for somebody starting out or just getting a nice salary and getting going, it is um, to have some kind of an, a budget. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to be real strict about it, but you have to factor in saving and investing uh, as part of that budget. My target would be, you know, 10 to 15 percent of your income should be going away to some type of savings or investment. Gotcha. Um, and and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I have real doubts whether Social Security is going to be around in the way that we know it by the time you you need to get it. And I'm also not the first one to tell you that you're not going to have a pension um, from whichever company you're working for. So whatever you get at retirement is going to be what you do now. And the beautiful thing for Startup Nation listeners is if you are young, if you are that 26-year-old, Time is on your side. Anything that you put away now is going to have huge consequences um, when you're in your 50s or 60s versus let's say you wait until you're 50 or 60 and put a ton of money away. Right. That's just not going to be as meaningful as what you can do right now. Gotcha. And I'm glad you said that, Brian, because Startup Nation in the book, there's actually a chart of a, like a side by side uh, scenario, what you call like the, uh, you know, what happens if you kind of procrastinate a little bit. So yep. there's, there's those type of. Uh, charts and, and graphs, uh, graphics uh, in the book for sure. So I appreciate you uh, sharing that, Brian, for the, sure. Yeah, it's called The Cost of Procrastination. Is, and yeah. when I first saw that, I, I think I was in my 20s and I I was incredulous. Like my, my jaw hit the floor, like the math shouldn't work. Right. And so I had to break it down and, and do the calculations myself to realize that there wasn't some trick, some magic to it. It, it actually worked. And so I'm hoping that um, anybody that would see that it would be, have the same type of impact where they'll think, oh, my gosh, I got to do something now versus doing a lot more later. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, Startup Nation, not only is Brian an author, like we talked about before, he's also uh, the founder and president of Intentional Wealth Advisors. Just kind of talk about your company a little bit, if you don't mind, Brian. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. And, um, you know, I. I I, uh, I love doing what I'm doing. I, I found that, um, I love helping people and I love money. Right. And so marrying those two with wealth management is a perfect, um, blend of the skill set that I have. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're very intentional about our investing. Um, one area that I think 
should be interesting to um, your listeners is, especially right now, um, taking a more of a socially responsible investing approach uh, or ESG um, investing, environmental, social, and governance. Um, the world is changing and money has power and how you use that money um, is super important. And it would be really bad to have very strong social values mm -hmm. and then invest in a way that would be contradictory to those values. And, and rather, we'd rather see you align uh, your investments with your values. And, and that's totally possible. Um, and it's not going to be at, at, a, at a lower return necessarily. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Just want to shift gears here a little bit. Once again, we're talking to Brian Ursu, the uh, author of Now What? A Practical Guide to Figuring Out Your Financial Future. So, Brian, I, know, I saw that you play uh, college soccer uh, a little bit there. Tell me a little bit about that. I I love soccer. And in fact, um, I love following the Premier League. And people ask, well, what's your favorite team? Okay. Um, I love that I don't have a favorite team and gotcha. I could sit down and watch two teams that I really don't know much about and just enjoy myself. Um, so in, in, uh, I played in junior high, high school and, and then into college. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that, that, um, was when the coach made us work on drills and the basics and all I wanted to do was scrimmage and play. And, um, invariably during the game, whatever drill we were working on comes up in reality. And, and it was, it was very, very helpful. And so I, I make the analogy with um, learning the basics and finance are kind of like those soccer drills. Mm. They're not exciting. They're not fun, but if, if you know them, you're going to be able to compete much better um, long-term. I hear that. I hear that. You know, talk about a little bit about like, uh, some of those lessons a little bit when it comes to teamwork that you learn from soccer that you kind of use today? Well, I mean, teamwork, they're different, obviously different positions and different right, players course. that have different skill sets. Right. Um, and, and so calling on the, the best um, from each person to uh, represent that, that portion of the field or that strategy is very similar to a portfolio. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't have a team of all goalies, right? Um, right. Just like you can't have a portfolio of just all large growth stocks. It just wouldn't work. And so you have to create a portfolio and it's similar to assembling a team using the strengths of each of those players to um, sometimes it's offense, sometimes it's defense. Um, and in your portfolio construction would, would have a similar approach. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let, let me ask you this, because, you know, is, is it safe to say that when you're thinking about a portfolio uh, and investing and stuff like that, you want to think more so like how the Germans play soccer, which is like this fine tuned machine and stuff like that, as opposed to like the free flowing flamboyant type of style, like in Latin America. Is that fair to say? So I love that approach. That's so cool. I tried never it. Thought, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I never thought of it before, but, you know, financial planning or investing or, or portfolio construction is a pretty good marriage of um, art and science. Fair enough. Right. And so you can, you can pull in both elements, you know, the, the artistic style of Latin America soccer versus the science approach towards German, both have uh, their opportunities. And, and, you know, some may be more natural in the 
um, the science side of things and others may be more natural on art. As long as you have some of both, I think you're going to do just fine. I hear that. Balance is always something that you're, we're striving for, huh, Startup Nation? Thank you for sharing that, Brian. I really appreciate that. Go ahead. Were you about to say something? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I just love that approach, oh. <laughs> that idea that's so awesome. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, I actually I started watching uh, – uh, soccer uh, about what, like 2010. I didn't get it at first. I, I didn't, I didn't get, I was a classic yeah. American, didn't get it, you know, and stuff like that. But it wasn't until the, uh, the world cup in 2010, uh, my friend made me watch and I was like, you know what? I get it now. I get it now. Well, you know what? Let me ask you this. This has nothing to do with financial planning, but I want to ask you this. Will the, will we, the Americans ever win a world cup? And if so, what will it take? I have doubts and, and <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing it's embarrassing to say this. We can compete at the highest level in every athletic or any kind of competition. Right. Um, soccer is one in which we um, we are incapable uh, of doing that. And um, I, I've been told by European friends that until we change um, our approach uh, to soccer, we're not going to be able to compete. And so the approach to soccer we have is that you go to this high school, you play for their soccer team when you're playing for, you know, maybe three months out of the year right? where they have academies and right. clubs and those kids are playing year round and they get to play to, with each other um, all the time. And so they develop um, teamwork in a way that, mm-hmm. that Americans really don't. And I think that that's key. Um, how, why the women compete at the very highest level and the men can't, I have no idea, but we're dominant in uh, women's soccer. And that's really exciting to see. Um, it's just disappointing and embarrassing that we didn't even qualify for the World Cup. Right. Yeah, that was pretty bad. You know, I, I, I've heard other instances that like maybe a lot of times it's because, you know, you, the, the academy part, you're absolutely right. You know, because you build that cohesiveness and you're playing all the time and stuff like that. I know one person has suggested because here in America, uh, since we have a plethora of other sports as well, right? That like that could also be why there's a detriment to why soccer kind of gets put on the back burner and stuff like that. So there's there's definitely a lot of theories out there, but you know, I would love to see. Uh, but uh, but know, we do. Ahead. I don't know if you follow Christian Pulisic um, for Chelsea. He is since the the COVID health break, uh-huh. he's just been on fire. And it's just fun to watch how inventive and creative and um, supportive he is. So right. it's it's possible to have great uh, U.S. players, but then it, that also to to create a, a great U.S. team is right. going to require a lot of absolutely, effort. absolutely. Yeah, you do have those those like him and Donovan and stuff like that. So yeah, there, there's it seems to yep. be like a few that kind of go through the cracks, but you know. I, mean, I would love to see. I, I would love to see you know us win a World Cup one day for sure. Uh, once again, Star Nation, we're actually wrapping up with Brian Ursu uh, a little bit. Hey, talk about your family a little bit and how uh, you've been able to kind of like you know reconnect with them during this pandemic, or uh, talk about you know the new normal for you if you don't mind. Well, the the new normal is. Um it it was fun and exciting for a while. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> tired of it. Gotcha. One real um, benefit that we we got out of this was um, in, in all my life, I've never had a dog. I'm allergic. Mm. And so the kids pitched the idea of getting the dog. So now we have to the family. But, um, you know, I've got a, a college uh, junior 
living at home for the summer. Gotcha. I've got a um, one that we call off the payroll um, professional actress that, you know, there's no performance going on right now. And, right. and she's at home um, right now. And then I've got a, a one in junior high um, that is um, uh, at home. So it's been fun. We've been playing games okay. and um, things, but it's, you know, I'm looking forward to everybody going back, doing their thing. Brilliant. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on uh, the Startup Life. Uh, you gave amazing value and great content. And once again, Startup Nation, uh, the book is now what? A Practical Guide to Figuring Out Your Financial Future. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. But uh, Brian, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because there's somebody out there in Startup Nation who's feeling a little discouraged out there, especially with everything going on. Give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind. Dominic, I, I started by saying I really like your style, and that's such a great question. And and I I mean, I'm a soft touch, but I just got goosebumps when you told me that. And, and for the person out there that needs hear this i want you to feel empowered mm. and um one of the things that i think is going to be most helpful in particular and, I, and i'm speaking directly to you not to dominic is to get your head right first pandemic will pass at some point we will resume normal activity it might be a little bit different but this will be in the rear view mirror and you need to get your head right See yourself in the way that you would like to be on the other side of this. And then you start working towards that. You have to visualize it first and then start working towards it. If you're out of work or whether you've got less work, make, your, make this time productive. Reading this book would be a great idea. Um, you can go to the website, download the first four chapters for free. You'll get a lot of information from that. And do this. Um, and you will get through it on the other side. And that, and that's, um, I guess that's what I would have to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brian. And that's going to wrap up our time here on the startup life. But once again, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show and startup nation. If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the startup life podcast, Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.